Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2069. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today will be a fun one. I'm in multiple places at one time. It's the magic of uh, the internet. North Carolina and also near Detroit with two very special guests, Jason and David. Jason, David, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you guys have any gear, and are you both ready to release the clutch? Oh, yeah. I got it in a low range. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got a a guy who likes to go get dirty here, so uh, we'll be talking about that. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, and you guys are very well known in the automotive world because of all your writing and appearances, I'm going to ask each of you a question that maybe no one's asked you, and that is, what's something people don't know about you? So let's start with Jason. Something people don't know about me? Yeah. Um, All right, let me think. Well, I once, um, (laughs) uh, in college, I wrestled a guy in public uh, because I just thought he was being uh, he he was doing something really terrible to uh, a group of people on campus. And I just wanted to settle it that way. So we had a big public wrestling match right there in the middle of campus. Okay, and I have to ask who won. I won, of course. There you go. I I don't know if there was a chance I wasn't going to win, but uh, he he had it coming. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I'm thinking of some of these movies that you see where there's the bully and uh, the guy comes to the rescue. The last one I saw was a Peter Parker Spider-Man issue, of course. Uh, We've seen that in many, many movies. And how about you, David? Uh, What's a little secret of yours you want to expose? Oh, man. So uh, I'll just go with a very random fact that most people don't know. (laughs) I used to be an avid, like before I was like really into, well, not before, concurrently when I was into cars. I was really into flashlights. Flashlights? Like I flashlights. Like, I remember when I was, uh, I think it was like 14 or 15, walking into the store on base. My dad was in the Army. Went on base, and I spent 200 bucks on a single flashlight. Whoa. <laughs> and it was like this high-speed, low-drag flashlight, Type 3 anodized aluminum, sapphire crystal lens. What does low-drag mean in a flashlight? Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'd like to know. How do you slow the light down? That's the thing I've seen that military people say high speed, low drag. It just means it's like, you know, state of the art. Okay. Okay. Uh- <laughs> well, you know, I kind of understand because I spent 20 plus years running a company called Griot's Garage and a lot of the the work I do, well, I did a lot of different work there, wore so many hats, I wore my hair off. At least that's my excuse. But one of the things I did was travel the world looking for very cool products because we sold high-end stuff. And flashlights were one of those things that I loved as well. And if you ask my wife, we have lots of flashlights around the house. Also ladders, which I shouldn't be on anymore, but ladders were kind of cool. So I, for some reason, I have all these ladders and vacuums. I've got like six vacuums in this house. It's nuts. But wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like vintage, like an old from yourself? No, no, no. Serpentine belt? No, these are all just usable vacuums. I've got, you know, a couple of shop vacuums. You've got some nice German vacuums for inside the house. Got a built-in vacuum system in the house. I don't know what it is. Maybe I I like to clean stuff, maybe. I don't know. Crazy. But cool flashlights, cool stuff. I think that's what we're all into, all three of us is fun car stuff so uh flashlights okay well now we know what to get you for christmas that's right 
There you go. So let me give you guys a proper introduction. We're going to talk a lot more or more than uh, flashlights and vacuum cleaners and ladders. David Tracy and Jason Torchinsky, along with Galpin Motors and past cars, yeah, I guess, Bo Bachman, and you remember Jason be from being on the show too, are the founders of a new online destination for car enthusiasts they call the Autopian. Both David and Tracy were Jalopnik's most read writers, bringing a strong focus on technical expertise combined with a whole lot of fun. David was born in Germany and became obsessed with Jeeps and off-roading after his family moved to Kansas. Uh, there's that uh, inference to dirt and getting out in the dirt in the low gear. He earned a degree in mechanical engineering and worked for Chrysler before pursuing more creative automotive endeavors like he's doing today. Jason is an artist, a comedian, who's always loved unique vehicles, automotive history, and the car culture. While at Jalopnik, Jason wrote over 6,700 articles. Man, your fingers must be tired. The Autopian <laughs> exists to serve the car enthusiast community by creating content that informs and entertains while celebrating the unifying quality of automobiles. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our loving sponsors. So please give them a little bit of love and we'll be right back. Seatbelts on, we're going to have some fun. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV, rain, and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code yeah 21 Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, guys, so we're back. So I want to, uh, since we've got multiple voices going here, I'll touch on each of you. But I want to talk about first, you guys spent a lot of time at Jalopnik. Great website. You guys were writing some amazing things. Um, so I want to start with Jason here. How did that whole gig start? Because 
Yeah, you're a comedian. Uh, you like to do some other fun stuff too. Uh, creative guy. So uh, tell me how you got involved with Jalopnik. Yeah, it was um, not the usual route. My, my, my background is in, I have an art history degree. Um, I was a designer, a user interface designer and illustrator and just general designer as my main career for a long time. So, and, but I always loved cars. And uh, I was I had started like a a webcasting app like uh, company in the early 2000s, and that kind of went to hell and lost a lot of money. And I needed to do something else, so I started to do more general design. Uh, then uh, I, but I always loved working with cars, and I always had interesting cars. And I had a Reliant Scimitar, a weird British car, uh, and then one from Jalopnik around like 2000. I know, mid 2000s, uh, Johnny Lieberman, actually, he came and drove it. And that's how I kind of realized, you know, there's like this community of people who actually, you know, make their living doing interesting things with cars. And then I, uh, I started, a, I was doing writing for like the onion and make magazine. And I got this magazine make to sponsor me on a lemons team, uh, you know, 24 hours oh, of lemons yeah. race. Yeah. So I also kind of encountered the culture there and met a lot more people who were auto journalists and it just kind of kept in my head. And then, um, when, uh, we, uh, when my wife got pregnant and I realized I needed to get a job that actually had insurance, I started teaching design at a, a high school in LA and I wasn't crazy about teaching. I just don't like the idea of just making people do things they don't want to do. So for the students <laughs> who it, loved that, but the students who were reluctant, I just didn't like the process of forcing them. Right. Um, did once bump up a kid's letter grade by a whole grade because I had him eat a huge wad of wasabi also. <laughs> uh, and, and so while I was Ouch. doing that, I yeah, in the in the summers I would do art projects and things, and I was just kind of restless. And I and uh, another writer from Jalopnik, Murali Martin Phil, he's uh, he writes under that name, uh, writes under the name Murali. He put me in touch with someone at Auto Week, and so I got this thing where I was doing like a biweekly column at Auto Week, and I was doing that, and it was fun, and I was getting like my feet wet there, and I only did that for like a month when Ray Wirt, who was the editor in chief of Jalopnik. Uh, reached out to me over like a winter break when teaching when I was in school and offered me a chance to like write for Jalopnik cool. for like a little period over the winter break and see how it went. And it went great. Uh, and that was back in like 2011 going into 2012. And uh, I wrote some things that actually really took off and they, you know, and they liked it and I liked doing it. And so they offered me a full-time position and then I just stayed there doing my thing for 10 years. Wow. What was great is they just gave me freedom to write almost anything I wanted almost all the time. And uh, it was fantastic. Well, that's a writer's dream. Write whatever you want and we'll just pay you. (laughs) Well, okay, I'll do that. And by the way, it's all about cars, your passion. So, well, that's very, very cool. Isn't it funny how having a child will redirect your focus? Oh, 100%. (laughs) <laughs> been there done that so now for you david we've got the uh the brainiac here and i say that because you've got a degree in engineering my wife does as well we met in college and i was studying graphic design and advertising so i was on the creative side of the campus she was on the smarty pants side which is where you were and uh it sounds like you uh went and got the usual engineering job but it uh, wasn't exciting enough for you right yeah i'd always liked writing i i and, and you know automotive journalism was always something that i was really interested in um, but I wasn't going to get a journalism degree in the off chance that I might be able to get a job in the tiny auto journalism industry. And if I, you know, the risk seemed really high to me, the most important thing was I wanted to be involved in the auto industry. And so it was like, okay, do I study journalism? And then if I'm not able to become a car journalist, it might be tricky to get into the car world. 
or do I get an engineering degree and then definitely, you know, solidify my place in the auto industry and then try to try to become a car journalist at that point. That was kind of my thinking going into it, but I always liked writing and I always wanted to work at Chrysler. When we moved to the U.S. in 03, my dad bought a 98 Jeep Grand Cherokee. And uh, basically my, you know, I have five brothers. So there were six of us. There was this Jeep. There was a whole lot of spare time in Kansas and there was a <laughs> muddy floodplain. So we just, we just off-roaded this Jeep all the time. And uh, it was impossible for me not to fall in love with that thing. Yeah. It was then that I decided, okay, well, I, I have to work at Chrysler. I, I want to I de- design Jeeps. Yeah. So yeah, I studied engineering, went and um, was able to work on cooling systems on the JL Wrangler. And, uh, but ultimately, you know, my love for writing and sort of creative endeavors won out. You know, I was there for a couple of years and I was like, oh, I, this is not right. It just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the way I got to Jalopnik was um, I was next door neighbors in college with the former editor in chief, Matt Hardigree. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, it was pure luck, really. I was reading Jalopnik every day, and he wrote an article indicating that he lived in town. Um, so I invited him to be the keynote speaker in a, uh, an event that I, was, that I had just made up um, Cars <laughs> and Pizza. A made up event. Cars and Pizza. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, he was like, absolutely. I was like, wow, I guess I have to execute on this event then. Yeah, I guess there has to be a real event. And so it's just you at your house <laughs> exactly. with some pizza. <laughs> That's right. So I, you know, I put flyers up all around campus. And, um, and the goal of the event was to try to drum up interest for a car club I had just started. So that just built a relationship between he, uh, he and I. And um, yeah, uh, yeah. eventually, you know, after a year at Chrysler, he texted me and gave me a job. Well, very creative. Uh, you know, that's pretty cool. I mean, maybe I'll try that with some people I've been chasing that I haven't gotten on the cars. Yeah. I'll just say, hey, why don't you be a keynote at my pizza party? <laughs> See if that works. I mean, it, I don't even know where that idea came from, but um, it seems to work. So let's dive into the Autopian. And I love what you guys are doing, a play on the name, of course. I, I'm guessing a play on Utopian, which kind of refers to uh, modeling or aiming things that are almost perfect or idealistic or perfect. Is that kind of where the, the name came from, David? It is based on the concept of utopian. Um, there's no perfection going on at the utopian. I want to be very clear. There, <laughs> okay. there's a lot of, there are lots of flaws and uh, they're pretty constant and I am the source of many of them. Um, <laughs> so I want to be very clear that there do not go to our website looking for perfection. <laughs> we, um, you know, utopian, you know, the idea there is like, a per- it really refers to a perfect community, a car community mm-hmm. of like-minded people who love the same thing and, and who all sort of support each other in, in, in their love for cars. Okay. And for you, Jason, what does the Autopian mean for you? Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's something about the name Autopian. Uh, it's, it's something about the quality of it reminds me of this kind of almost like foolishly optimistic uh, kind of concept of cars that maybe happened in, you know, like in the 50s and 60s, these kind of dream cars, this idyll- idyllic utopia that, of course, could never actually really happen. And the name now to me feels like this, you know, this dream of this idealized kind of version of things, but the sense we have now, I think it's impossible to read it without feeling a little bit of that kind of healthy cynicism and a little bit of irony to it also. Uh, but I, but finally, I agree with David, like the, 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 if there's anything that of any of that we're doing right now, 
that has any striving for any kind of utopian ideals. It would be the, the community aspect. Because if it comes to cars, I love, I have no patience for perfect cars. They are not interesting to me. It's the imperfections and the things that go wrong that I find endearing and fascinating. So if I'm looking for perfection in any context, it's just a space where people who love cars of literally any kind can come together and find common ground to talk to them. And we're the inclusivity when it comes to this is something we take very seriously. I don't care what you're into automotively or transportation wise, even we want to have a place for you at the utopian and that, and we want people to be able to look at someone else's obsessions and appreciate them and then present their own as much as possible. Well, the name itself is rather stoic, in my opinion, the way I, when you just hear it. But now that we're talking to the, the two crazy guys that are involved, I see there's a whole lot of, of loosey-goosey in here. And like you say, not perfect vehicles, which certainly are all endearing to all of us. So let me break this down to how you guys are going to play well together. Or not play well together, but it sounds like you play very well together. Jason, do you do you each have a specific role in this new responsibility? And of course, then Bo comes into play, who's also a very fun guy. The reason David and I work so well together, and look, we've been working at Jalopnik together for many, many years, and we've just been friends for a long time as well. Like we we've done, we went spent twenty four hours in a VW camper van without leaving at all, and we didn't murder each other, which I think is <laughs> that's a good sign. Telling. Yeah. But David and I are extremely different. I'm, as you know, it's clear, I'm creative. I do art stuff. I handle the design of the site. Um, David is uh, far more rigorous in many ways than I am. Uh, David is the one who really holds the standard of the level of quality that he wants to see on the site. I'm much more of a get it out there and it'll probably be good enough. David's very much a let's make it exactly right. And I think the only way these things actually work well is you need both for this to work. Someone has to be there with their, you know, like rigorously, like making sure things meet a certain level of quality. And someone has to be there to make sure things happen regardless. And the balance is often tricky, but it's our communication is honest and frank. When we work together, there's times where he has to come out and tell me this won't fly. And there's times when I have to tell him it's good enough, run it. And somehow we hit that balance there. And I think actually that's really crucial to why I think this endeavor is going to work. And Bo adds a whole other element because Bo is, Bo is an incredible automotive enthusiast. When I was writing about obscure cars, sometimes Bo would go out and find one of the last three examples of them in the world wow. and actually get it, have it, and use it. Bo makes things happen. And Bo saw, you know, he was a reader of what David and I were doing for years and he's just an incredible person to actually take things that we've been talking about and provide the means and the you know the will to actually see them through. So he provides a huge element as well. Sounds like a great team you guys have, uh, and you play off each other really well. David, has there been a driving inspiration in your life, somebody who's been a, a key mentor or a very helpful, influential person? Um, I don't know if there's a, just a one person. I, I come from a big family. Um, I have five brothers and they've all taken different paths in life. One lives in Hong Kong and one, you know, one lives in Arkansas. One has a bunch of degrees from highfalutin schools and, (laughs) you know, some are engineers, you know, one's a journalist. And usually I have to say my brothers are kind of the, kind of like the board of people I go to when I need advice or, or just perspective. Cause they're, you know, that's five different, obviously there are going to be some similarities in our perspectives, but 
there, these are five people who are going to call me out on, on my BS. Yeah, you know, there, yeah. there's no, you know, of anyone in the world, they will be the first to say, uh, Dave, that's just not going to cut it. And, um, and that's, some, that's who you need in your corner is people who aren't just there to be, you know, to placate, uh, you know, aren't just there to be, um, sick offense, but there to just call you out. Yeah. You know, it's very, you're very fortunate and boy, your mom had her hands full, five boys. Holy cow. <laughs> like, yeah, she, she, went, she ran the household with an iron, with an iron fist. <laughs> well, you, you kind of have to, but now I see why she just threw you out in the mud said, go play in the mud guys. Uh, come back in a few minutes. We'll hold you down. And how about you, Jason? Has there been a, a driving inspiration in your life? Um, there's been a, a bunch of people. I think maybe I have a friend, my friend, Tom Jennings in LA is an amazing artist and engineer and mechanic. Like he's a guy who kind of combines both the analytical mechanical engineering side and the art side. And he's very much into cars and he's been the kind of guy who's been doing very much his own thing for decades. Um, he's just a fascinating guy. And even before cars, he was, he, he did early engineering and in, in computers and he uh, started like the first ISP in America. And he was, wow. he created a queer core um, art movement in uh, San Francisco. And, and now he works uh, with old AMCs and Ramblers and has done more in-depth engineering on these kind of forgotten cars, at least in main, many mainstream communities than almost anybody else has. And he produces some really beautiful artworks and he's introduced me to all kinds of amazing, strange things like the fact that the Rand Corp once published a book of like 1 million random numbers <laughs> in, in just a big volume. But he's a wonderful guy. And he's, you know, whenever, when I lived in LA and I was working on a project and I would get stuck somewhere, he was the guy I would go to to figure out technical solutions for things or to come up with new ideas. And he's, you know, he's just a great guy to be around. So fortunate to have friends like that. We'll take a short break for our sponsors. We come back. I always ask my guests about a big challenge they faced and what they learned from that challenge. So keep that thought in mind. And we'll be right back. You listeners know that I'm a huge car care fanatic, and my friends at AutoGeek created their Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant for perfectionists like you and me. Wolfgang Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is designed to provide long-lasting protection and a glossy, slick finish that, well, it's unmatched. The use of polymer technology ensures your paint is protected from environmental contaminants, those damaging UV rays, and lasts up to three months long. By providing the glossy look of Carnuba Wax with the longevity of a synthetic formula, Wolfgang a Deep Gloss Paint Sealant is the best of both worlds. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 20 
50 or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So the big challenge question here talks about failure, challenge, things you had to overcome, obstacles that were pretty huge, maybe painful at the time, but they were great learning lessons. So I'm going to start with you, David. Take us on a bit of a bumpy ride because you like to go off-road. That's mm, true. It's true. Hmm, yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, one of the kind of the obvious um, thing to go to for me is like um, when I got to Chrysler, <laughs> I tell the story to Jason, to Jason and he sometimes doesn't believe it. When I got to Chrysler, I was 21 years old and um, I was basically put in charge of designing the cooling system for the Jeep Wrangler, which is a huge vehicle for that company, a very high volume car. We sell 20,000 a year. You know, I was the system integration responsible SIR for that. And um, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, to be totally frank. I was going to say, being a newbie at Chrysler and they put you in charge of that, your eyes must have been very wide open. They were. They were. I, uh, I, it was an exciting thing because, you know, that was the vehicle for me and I'd wanted to do this forever. The crazy thing was that this was during a time when you know, Chrysler had just gone through relatively recently a bankruptcy. So this is 2013 when I arrived. So they'd oh, gone okay. through a bankruptcy over yeah. five years. And in those bankruptcies, there was a lot of turnover. A lot of experts had taken buyouts, you know, um, kind of old timers with 25 years under their belt. They were offered a big check and a car voucher. And they're like, look, of course I'll take that. I can get a job somewhere else. The economy is bad, but I have all this experience and this is a big check. So let's, let's leave. And so a lot of experts left. A lot of things had not been written down. And by things, I mean processes. Uh, you know, how, how do you design cooling systems, for example? And I found that out when I got there, expecting training. Like, hey, let's, um, okay, I got to design the cooling system for this Wrangler. How do you do that was my question. And the response from leaders there was, you're going to have to figure that out. And when you do, if you wouldn't mind writing that down for us. Oh, yeah. You need to do what we haven't done. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and that was, and to be clear, like, you know, that is a company with a lot of really talented engineers. It was just the moment in time. And there were people, of course, who had, de- they'd been developing cooling systems since the 20s. But a lot of the, you know, a lot, part of it was um, turnover and documentation, lack of documentation. Part of it was, um, there's this culture within Chrysler that, you know, after a couple of years in one spot, you're almost, um, there's kind of like this, um, you kind of push to move to a different area. Sure. Like the idea of a subject matter expert has sort of gone away. And personally, 
if I want a really good cooling system on a car, I would like to know that it was designed by someone who's been there for 35 years, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> developing water pumps and thermostats, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a, it was a huge challenge trying to figure that whole thing out. And, and that required just asking a lot of questions uh, from, you know, asking a lot of really intelligent, you know, talented engineers, a lot of questions uh, and, and just absorbing as much as I could and, and just, um, yeah, just being organized. And, and it was, and, and also, of course, finding, you know, just really good team members to, to help along the way. Yeah. Good example of being thrown in the deep end. Wow. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Learn how to tread water, kid. By the way, here's an engine block to hold on to while you're doing that. Uh, <laughs> Jason, uh, how about for you? Uh, let's, let's see what your, your example is of a very challenging obstacle you had to overcome. Well, you know, actually, since starting this business uh, with David and Bo, you know, I, it's hard not to remember the, the last time I started a business, which was the um, webcasting company I mentioned. And we, um, and it, you know, when it came time for us to do this, uh, uh, the things that I went through then informed a lot of my decisions when it came to, to starting our, the Autopian. Because at the time, you know, we were, in, in hindsight, like if, you know, sadly, we didn't have a big pandemic around 2001 or two, which would have really been great for us. I was going to say, because, wait a minute. Did you say sadly you didn't have a pandemic? Yeah. What? If you look what the pandemic did for like online, online communication and learning and what it did for Zoom, we, everybody was too damn healthy back in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. We had, you know, uh, video from multiple locations. We had slides and quizzes and polls. We were, like, way ahead of our time. Arguably, maybe the Internet wasn't quite there in every way, but we had a great product that we all believed in. We all worked to develop it, uh, me and a group of friends who started it. Uh, then we got angel investment capital, and they brought in a CEO from the outside, and the process was kind of awful. Um, the, everything just went to hell quite rapidly, and we lost control of the company. And uh, I just learned a lot through that process that I did not want to repeat at all. Yeah. So when David and I first had the idea that we wanted to start our own site, right there in the back of my head was the uh, failure of the last time I had tried to start uh, a business and, uh, you know, I knew what happened when, you know, like we, the business we had started had was running independently and then we wanted to grow and that's when we reached out to capital and that's what really killed it. David and I needed capital to get started and we had been talking to some, you know, VCs and some other, you know, uh, equity partner kind of firms and things. And I just had these images and record, you know, and memories of Horror memories, yeah. memories of like how terribly south everything can go. So that was like a big factor in uh, my decision making this. And I knew there were just a lot of things I didn't want to do again, the, you know, trying to start in a shoestring and being starved for resources and then having to go to the wrong source to get those resources. I just didn't want that to happen. Uh, luckily, we found the what is a, a shockingly ideal solution uh, with Bo's involvement someone who actually gives a damn about the product and it's not just a vehicle to try to make money where actually the, the cause of what you're trying to do matters uh that's something i hadn't had before and i knew i wanted this time and thankfully uh, we were able to get it well the lesson i heard there learned is be careful who you partner with and when you get yourself in a situation where you need capital and you take someone that maybe in the back of your gut you're saying i'm not sure this will work but we got to move forward. Boy, yeah. how many times have I heard that story? I remember a friend a long time ago that said, you know, when you have to go out and borrow money from people, be very careful who you're borrowing that money from because it always comes with strings attached. So uh, 
Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, again, Bo, what a great partner to have and definitely a guy. And I, I only know him through my time I spent with him here on Cars. Yeah, he was a wonderful guest. But you can tell the enthusiasm that guy has for cars. And it's obvious what he's surrounded his life around and his, fam- yeah. his business and collection. Yeah. It's all genuine. And the reason he's involved in this site is because he wants this kind of voice out there. Um, that's that's the main motivation. And that's the one thing that you can't, that can't be faked. Like right. that's, that's so, yeah. Absolutely. So I love to ask people about one special vehicle in their lives. I'm going to start with Jason because I understand David has a, a whole big barn full of cars. So maybe it'll be hard for him to choose, but he can think about it while you're answering the question. Tell me about one special vehicle in your life and take us on a short ride, perhaps. Oh boy, this is, it's tough because I hold on to cars a long time. I get very taken by them. And, um, you know, there's that scimitar I mentioned and I had a beautiful P1800. Uh, the two I'm going back and forth in my head now is my, my 73 Beetle, which I've had since I was 18. I still have it. Wow. And I have a Nissan POW, a, a right-hand drive, uh, you know, JDM Nissan POW, which is my current daily driver. Um, I guess the, the Beetle would probably have to be the one I'd really pick because it, it was really the gateway drug into like my obsession with cars. Uh, my dad had a 68 Beetle when I was a little kid. And when you were growing up in like the 70s and early 80s, Beatles and like, you know, in, I grew up in the Southeast. Beatles were like the main example of the idea that cars could be made differently than everything you've seen. So there would be like a sea of Delta 88s and Honda Accords, and then there'd be these Beatles buzzing around, and their engine was in a different place, right. and it was laid out and it cooled different. And it just led me down a path of trying to learn about every different kind of obscure car I could think of. And that was the car I first started tinkering on, and that was the car I first started really, you know, having fun with, and I fell in love with, and uh, this one I've had since I was 18, I've, you know, like the stages of my life that that car has taken me through because I'm, I'm 50 now. I'm an old man. I still have this. <laughs> hey, who, who, who are you saying is old at that age? That sounds pretty young to me. <laughs> but yeah, but I think David's dad, technically, and that's alarming. Um, <laughs> some people think you actually are my dad. It's possible. Um, do the math. Yeah, let's see. Was, let's do the math here. This business was all an elaborate scheme. To get a father-son business going. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> now that I finally got the truth out of you two, what's really going on here? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, oh, we'll have it at the site, the, the DNA test and everything. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Beetle is, yeah, I, I had a 67 Ghia in, in high school, and I, I love working on that car. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the car was, uh, it's what kind of got me into motor journalism in some way. Uh, My wife, it's what she noticed when I first met her, because she actually had an old Beetle she liked back in the day. So that's kind of how we started a connection. It was stolen. And then through Jalopnik readers, it was actually recovered and put it back together. Um, So it's been just a huge part of my life for such a long time. I feel a little bad because I've had so many other cars around. I haven't driven it much and the carburetors are actually sitting I'm looking at them right now on the table, so I desperately need to put some time into it, but I still have it, and it's been such a huge part of my life. I can't imagine not having that car. Well, you know, Jason, when uh, David starts calling your wife mom, you'll know the truth, so... (laughs) Yeah, she may not like that, but uh, the, tr- the truth will come out. So, David, uh, I'm guessing we may get a little four-by going here with your favorite vehicle story. You know what? I think I'm, I'm going to switch this up. Cool. You, know, the, you know, the real answer is, you know, a vehicle that I've had a lot of memories with and I've learned a lot from and all that. But I'm instead, there's a vehicle that, um, that I haven't even seen yet, but I do own it. So, technically, <laughs> I can use it. Um, it's a 1969 uh 
Chrysler Valiant Wayfarer Ute. It's uh, currently sitting in the middle of nowhere, Australia. I bought it sight unseen. And um, it is in shambles. Um, but I'm going to be flying to Australia in September to uh, try to resuscitate it and drive it around um, Australia. Um, and, and, and discover Ute car culture there. So that's, um, to me, that's my most special vehicle at this moment. Well, okay. That's an interesting answer to that question. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. In full disclosure, this car only had three visible wheels uh, in the pictures that I've seen of it. Uh-oh. So... It's in, David, is, he's done this before. I've seen him take basically a dead vehicle and turn it into a zombie of an undead vehicle. Uh, so I think he can do it, but it's going to be a challenge. Now, is your car the, like the... There is kind of an El Camino version of that car, or is yours the sedan, the four-door, two-door? That's it. It's the ute. It's the truck. The, the truck. Okay. Yeah, the El Camino. St- it looks like an El Camino, right? But kind of cooler. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And not only that, not only is it a ute, which we didn't have get in the U.S., but I will be replacing the Slant 6 engine, which is a great engine, leaning tower of power, represent, <laughs> with, I've already I've already purchased a Hemi 6 engine, which was a Australia market only straight six, you know, pretty powerful, much, much, much adored engine in Australia that they put in Valiant starting in 1970. Mine's a 69, whatever. I'm going to put it in anyway. Wow. A slant six block with a different head or is it entirely different? It's it's totally new. Totally different. Australia only. It's going to be great. Wow. Well, I can't wait to read about that in uh, Autopia. Let's talk about, well, actually, I'm going to become your car psychologist today for both you guys. I'm going to start with you, Jason. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit. If you were right. reincarnated as a vehicle, this is when when you, yeah, when, <laughs> when you, when you will become reincarnated, this isn't what you want to be. This is the, the man in the mirror. You got to be real honest, deep down reaching. That's why I'm the car psychologist today. Uh, what would you be yeah. and why? Uh, probably. Maybe like an original Fiat Multipla, <laughs> like the, what? Uh, the original rear engine one. Kind of like small and a little confusing. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, kind of. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah, like uh, I think maybe something like that. Something kind of humble <laughs> and not exactly impressive in some ways, but <laughs> there's a certain quality about it that's hard to, you can't quite ignore. I, I've always liked those. So I think maybe maybe something like that. That's one of those vehicles you look at and you kind of love. So I, I kind of get that with you. Yeah. You know, it's like the Beetle and, you, you know, the Mini Cooper. I mean, you just got to kind of love those things. I love the way the doors open, which is pretty cool. Yeah. If they've got the four-door version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, uh, I think the front doors were like suicide-style yeah. doors. Yeah. Good packaging. Clever packaging in it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be ashamed to, to come back as a multiple. Well, it's kind of the minivan for Italy, if if you if you will, yeah. is the way I look at it. And how about you, uh, David? If I crawl into your head a little bit, what would you be? Well, let me just say, I think Jason's already a multipla. I think um, <laughs> <laughs> I think in some ways, it's almost like people's tastes sort of mirror some part of their persona. I mean, you look at Jason's car as like a little bit bonkers. You know, <laughs> you drive a, a Yugo GV Plus. Oh, my gosh small kind of wacky yeah. somehow kind of the same thing yeah um i don't know i i for me it would be a jeep cherokee xj okay uh I, for no other reason and i just think it's the perfect suv and i mean not that i but it's like it's also imperfect in many ways it's kind of a bit of a rattle trap you know it's it, you know not really that well built you know aerodynamics are awful it gets terrible fuel economy but 
it can pretty much it's versatile and will go anywhere. And yeah, you know, I like to you know do outdoorsy stuff. And yeah, I, I, I like the XJ. Okay, yeah, I like those too, especially when they got big wheels and tires on them. They just look like okay, I'm here, get out of my way, I'm coming through. So right. I like it. So we love books here. You guys are writers, so uh, you'll love this. I love to promote books. Uh, let's start with you, David. Is there a great book you could recommend to our listeners today? Um, yes, um, here we keep it car themed. Here's a book that really changed the way that I see the auto industry, specifically Japanese cars. It's a book by Ben Su, classic Japanese performance cars. You know, the front cover doesn't look like anything special. It kind of almost looks like a, just a regular magazine cover. But I, I read this book while on an airplane headed to Hong Kong to see my brother. And Hong Kong is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the JDM capitals of the world because it's, it's just unbelievable that the number of Japanese, car, incredible Japanese cars, because it's so expensive to own cars. Most of them are just really special. So I was reading this book on the plane and to read that book and then be surrounded by these incredible, you know, historic Japanese cars, like every day for two weeks. It was like my appreciation for Japanese car culture went through the roof. So it was, it was it's a great book. Check it out. Ben Sue. Yeah, I'm not seeing that book, so I'll have to check it out. Uh, you know, little known fact, I was uh, made in Japan, so I've got a, I know, a fascination for Japanese stuff. So uh, Good bill quality, huh? Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah, back when everything was junk. Uh, it got better later, so uh, at least I'm told. How about you, Jason? How about a great book? I'm going to have to be a jerk and promote my own book now because i got to sell some of these things. That's okay. We I love self-promotion. Your book, Robot Takes a Wheel. Uh, which is like a study of autonomy and where that's going in the future. It's not exactly a technical book. It's more about the conceptual issues around autonomy. Of course. Um, actually, I'm, my publisher says there's a paperback version coming out, I think, this summer. So if you haven't gotten it because you have a problem with hardcover books, they feel too dangerous to have, <laughs> uh, that's easy because we will have a paperback coming out. So, yeah, it's a, and I think I try to make it. Uh, accessible and readable for people who maybe haven't even really thought about what it means when we're no longer the ones who are piloting our own vehicles, when they're no longer this prosthetic of our body. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll push my book. There's no problem with that. I love, uh, I've had lots and lots of authors and having you on the show before. By the way, you listeners, if you want to go back, you know, the last time Jason was here was way back in 2016. I was a much younger man then. And he was guest number 661. So that's how many people I've talked to since you were last on the show. So it's always good to get updates on uh, what people are doing. I think you mentioned that book back then too, right? You'd, you'd written it then, by then? No, I, I didn't write it until 2019. It okay. came out like late 20. Well, so then- yeah, this is... And, I, book. Yeah. and I think somebody else must have mentioned your book because I, that's been mentioned here before on Cars Yes. Yeah. So you got one fan. Well, two fans. I'm a fan. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm going to let you guys go on the ultimate drive. I let all my guests do this. I give, I enable them, if you will, by writing a very big check. But I'm going to twist this up. So you guys are going to have to work together on this because you're a team now. I'm going to provide you with the coolest car or weirdest car i guess there's a combination could be here uh, i'll pay for it you guys can go anywhere together and um you can uh each bring a unique guest either somebody living or deceased which really brings an interesting because now this thing's got to have extra seats in it so you're gonna have to collaborate a little bit here on this question versus individual rides but let's start with what vehicle would you guys be in we know where we're going jason right we both know the answer to that are we talking South America? Uh, we're talking Brazil. Of course. Brazil. Okay. That's what I was okay. We're thinking the same thing. Yeah, Brazil. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You know what I want to get, right? 
you want to get um, what do you want to get? Oh, you want, you want to get the oh the 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 Willie's uh, wagon thing, right? That station the, wagon. The the rural, yes. The rural, the rural, right? But I know yeah. what you want to get. You want to get one of those like all cool Volkswagens, right? Uh, either an all cool Volkswagen or or Gurgel, uh, you know the weird plastic body VW things. But I I don't mind the rural. I think they're kind of cool. However, let's compromise. Uh, did they make an all cool version of the rural? That's a good question. Did they? Could we convert it? We yeah, know what okay, so yeah, so Mark, just so you're clear, in, David and I definitely want to go to Brazil. We both have talked about this a lot. We feel like Brazil, especially, is this very interesting place for car culture that's widely ignored by uh, most of us here in North America. Uh, and they had uh, because sugarcane was so plentiful there. They're the only country in the world that's made sugarcane alcohol-based cars um, actually productive and profitable. And so there's a lot of versions that run on something they call Alcool, which is a uh, sugarcane alcohol-based car. So the car is uh, Hural. Who, who, is, who is the official builder of that there, David? It was actually Ford. It was Ford, but it was a Willys. It was a modified Willys. It was a Willys wagon built yeah. that was technically branded as a Ford. Okay. So we're gonna, what was converted to the sugarcane alcohol? Okay. And I, I think we're both comfortable with that. I think that's a pretty a pretty good ride. And they're pretty roomy, so we can fit at least four people in there, no problem, with their stuff. Cool. Okay. So who, who would you bring along, Jason? <sighs> who would I bring? I'd bring, you know, the writer Mary Blair. She wrote, like, Packing for Mars. I bet she would be... I bet she would be really interesting to bring because I bet she would. Uh, oh no, wait, Mary Blair is. Um, wait, no, that's that's an artist. Wait, hold on, Mary Roach. Sorry. Oh, oh Roach. Mary Roach. Okay, well, that's a little Mary different. Checking for Mars, and she's written a bunch of other books. But I feel like if David and I were poking around, focused on our own automotive culture thing, she would be an interesting person to really document a lot of the things maybe that were happening around us that we were too blind to see because we were so focused on the cars. So I bet if we brought her, we would get. Like a fantastic book that she would write about whatever the hell that environment had, and then whatever David and I would write. So I would want to maximize the amount of interesting content coming out of there. So I bring, I'd see if Mary Roach wanted to come. Okay, that's solid. Um, no, that's solid. Solid re- reasoning there. Content maximization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> head in the right spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, how about you, Dave? Would you bring somebody unique like that, or uh, maybe some? I know is Mary still with us? Is she still alive? Yeah, she's alive. Okay. She's doing fine. She's doing fine. Okay, good. <laughs> hmm. uh, I don't know who I'd bring. Um, you know, I think we got the, me- the mechanical stuff we got, Jason. You know, um, this is a long road trip that we're going to be on, I think. Um, it so is, yeah. I think a practical person, would, you know, could make some sense. We don't need any mechanical help. We, we're going to need someone who, who speaks Portuguese. Okay. That's a good so, idea. Uh, so I don't know who comes to mind. Oh, Christopher uh, Columbus. <laughs> is he still alive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I don't know. You know. Actually, we have. You know. You know what I would do. You know what I do. We got a. We have a reader named Pedro who's based in Brazil. He has been reading Jason and my articles since like forever for for the last you know decade plus. And um, you know, he always tells me like you know, and I would someday I would love to you know see America or you know see the U.S. and uh, you know he just doesn't have the opportunity to do that, but super cool dude obsessed with cars like sends me cars like every day over whatsapp i say we bring him along he can help us with the language we take him on an epic road trip from brazil to the u.s yeah yeah. local would probably be a huge help for what we're doing so i think that's a good idea there you go pedro for president 
Yeah, we like it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. You guys, uh, I could talk to you guys forever. You guys are fun. And this new venture of yours, I really want to take my hat off to you guys for doing this. The Autopian, uh, of course, my shout out to Bo as well. Uh, this is going to be very cool. Before I let you go, could each of you leave me leave us with maybe a success quote or words of wisdom or inspiration? And I'll start with you, Dave. Ooh. Yeah, you know what I think? Um, when, when I Now that I'm hiring people, you know, I used to just be a writer and now I have to actually hire people. When I look at the people who are applying, there's really one thing that stands out and it sounds cliche, but I think one of the most valuable tools one can have in one's arsenal is to just give a crap. Like truly, truly just care about something, you know, like if you want to be a car journalist, yes, sure. Send me an email that you want to do it, but just keep, you know, keep at it, keep after it, try to improve, like show that you care. And show that you want something. I, I really believe in many cases, you know, in the U.S., it, if you, in the right circumstances, if you care enough, that, is, that can really get you over the hump so that you can achieve what you want to achieve. There you go. I love it. Jason? This is sort of uh, related to what David's saying, but I think the, words, the thing that I've learned that's been, I think, the most heartwarming and inspiring to me is the fact that enthusiasm for literally anything if presented the right way, is absolutely contagious. So you can be interested in something, and if you feel it's too niche or nobody else is going to care, if you present it with the right fervor and the right, the right amount of, of charm and, and real feeling, people will give a damn about things that you would never believe they would. So just that enthusiasm is a contagious and wonderful thing. Give a crap and be enthusiastic. That works for me. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. I love it. How could people learn more about The Autopian? Go to the website, theautopian.com, or even if we have both. We have Autopian or The Autopian, depending on how you feel about articles. Go to it every day. Click it, read articles, share them with your friends, comment, be part of the community, all of it. Absolutely. And I understand, too, people can reach out to you, tips at autopian.com. Is that right? Yep. Very cool. I'll put links to all these on Jason and David's show notes page here on the Cars Yeah website. Uh, you listeners, check these guys out. Uh, as you can tell, they're fun guys. They know what they talk about. They've got a lot of tenure. Uh, they're very enthusiastic. They give a crap. That's all you need, <laughs> according to these two characters. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Alexander Petrucelli uh, at Con Media. He brings me some great guests. Hey, Alexander, you did it again. Uh, Jason and David are awesome. You guys, hey, thanks for uh, taking some time out of a very busy schedule launching this new brand. I love what you're doing. Very excited for you. Until we talk again, I'll see you guys, maybe in Brazil, down the road. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!